Welcome back to the Unregulated Podcast. This is episode number 67 here on Thursday, January 20th, where my children had a snow day today. Yeah, in the rain? In the rain. In the 34-degree rainy morning. It, yeah. it was called at 8 o'clock this morning. It was a two-hour delay last night. So they are enjoying some time at home. I think they have been out of school more this month than they have been in school this yeah, month. It it it. It's like people don't care anymore. Yeah, it's kind of like that. It's like, yeah, kind of like that. Schools have no value, so sure, take the day off. Why not? Right. Right. We gotta. We we wouldn't want to risk the idea of you slipping and sliding in we the rain. We're slowly losing so. our will to live here in the United States. Oh, anyhow. Um, all right. So where should we begin today, sir? Uh, should believe, we Should we start talking about the Yes. The, the marathon. The long, the, the longest, the, the longest press conference in presidential history. Oh, it was a doozy. I, I actually didn't get to see the first half because I was uh, participating in a Western Caucus Energy Forum yesterday on Capitol Hill. So thank you all. Did they have the guys from Kres there? They had. Um, she was a, a witness. Uh, also, Kath, Kathleen Sagama I was say, from Western you, Energy Alliance. They you and Kathleen. Anybody else? Um, a, a nice lady. I can't remember her name now. And also um, Katie. So I was the oh, sole... Tom white male <laughs> on the panel <laughs> I, think I have to be honest katie is katie is super smart and she is kathleen is super tough so it did it, it was actually very good yeah man. a very good discussion we talked about the stuff that the democrats don't want to talk about is it going to be up on our is it going to be streamed up on our website it is it was live on youtube the whole two and a half hours live on youtube we'll put it in the show notes for those Cool cats and kids out there who want to burn a couple of Two a couple of hours this make, weekend. Can make us hard to watch how the brilliant president. I was. Can make so. it hard to make fun of the president when you guys go. Two All right, so hours. so so so. Okay, I guess we can call this segment "Clean Up on Isle Saki." Where should we start? I think I'll start with the election stuff. Hold on, let me play a little clip from our oh, yeah. esteemed president. Speaking of voting rights legislation, if this isn't passed, do you still believe the upcoming election? will be fairly conducted and its results will be legitimate? Well, it all depends on uh, whether or not we're able to make the case to the American people that some of this is being set up to try to alter the outcome of the election. And it's one thing, look, maybe I'm just being uh, too much of an optimist. Remember how we thought not that many people were going to show up to vote in the middle of a pandemic? I mean, the highest voter turnout in the history of the United States of America. Well, um, I think if, in fact, no matter how hard they make it for minorities to vote, I think you're going to see them willing to stand in line and, and defy the attempt to keep them from being able to vote. I think you're going to see the people who try to keep from being able to show up showing up and making the sacrifice it needs to make in order to change the law back to what it should be. Um, and uh, But it's going to be difficult. I, I, I make no bones about that. It's going to be difficult. But we're not there yet. We've not run out of options yet. And we'll see. How All right. Um, look, I'm following this not nearly as closely as what I'm sort of following as a matter of my profession. But I'm getting a little bit tired of this. Which part? I'm getting tired of the part that uh, he loses his cool over, which we'll play uh, also. 
the there is no way there is no way that anything that's going on in the states is anything remotely close to the rhetoric that is coming from this party and their allies um is that an accurate yeah interpret interpretation of the state of play out there in the states that are running around trying to like it goes beyond that right the question was planted right it was a seed question no no reporter uses the word legitimate like, with respect to an election unless she knows the answer that's coming right so so yeah it's the it's the party it's the media it's the whole operation right they're trying to delegitimize the 2022 election cuz they know how bad it's going to be for them and just go ahead you finish. clean up on Alsaki let's be clear potus mm-hmm. was not casting doubt on the legitimacy of the 20 20- 22 election he was making the opposite point in 2020 a record number of voters turned out in the face of the pandemic and election officials made sure they could vote and have those votes counted he was explaining that the results would be illegitimate if states do what the former president asked them to do after the 2020 election toss out ballots and overturn results after the fact the big lie is putting our democracy at risk we're fighting to protect it now that's completely you're inac- all- that's completely inaccurate absolutely that's not what the president was saying at all the president was in fact saying that if unless the states reverse their reforms the election will be will be unless we if we don't get our stuff actually in all fairness to the president he said it could be illegitimate which is his way of crab walking into the conversation right yeah yeah Yeah, it it's interesting to me that the conversation about legitimacy in 2022 has now been live for about three weeks um since the Democrats figured out how bad it's going to be for them, it's uh, it's kind of fun, a little con- disconcerting, and um, you know, there you can't really argue that an election is illegitimate. You know, President Trump, he's going through this right now, right? Yeah, election's illegitimate. That's great. It doesn't matter. You're still sitting at home in Florida, and you're still not the president. And they come next January, there will still be a bunch of Democrats who are not congressmen and senators. And no amount of talk is going to stop that avalanche. Okay. Uh, one more section on the, on the, uh, on this issue. And, and, yeah. uh, and then we can move on to the, what I think is probably even more disastrous. One more, sir. Um, you know, you talk, you campaigned and, and you ran on a return to civility. And I know that you dispute the characterization that you called folks who would oppose those voting bills um, as being Bull Connor or George Wallace. But you said that they would be sort of in the, the same camp. No, um, I didn't say that. Look what I said. Go back and read what I said and tell me if you think I called anyone who voted on the side of the position taken by Bull Connor, that they were Bull Connor. Mm. And that is an interesting reading of English. You, you, I assume you got into in the journals because you like to write. So did you expect that that would work with Senators Manchin or, or Cinema? Um, no, here's argument? the thing. There's certain things that are so consequential. You have to speak from your heart as well as your head. I was speaking out forcefully on what I think to be at stake. That's what it is. And by the way, no one, no one forgets who was on the side of King versus on Bull Connor. No one, not done the history books will note it. When I was making the case, don't think this is a freebie. 
Okay. You enough, don't get enough, to enough. vote this way. Thank you. Somehow... <laughs> yeah. Um... There's uh, lots of lots of point to you. First of all, this kid. I mean, he's like sitting there. The guy's barking at him, like, like you said, like an old man who didn't like get his soup for lunch. Trying to put today. his trying to return his soup in a deli. Yeah. Just... <laughs> right. It's like I didn't say that. Did you read what I said? What I said was they're just like Bull Connor. I didn't compare them to Bull Connor. Or Jefferson Davis. I, that's not what I said. You know, it is what you said, dude. You you made the moral equivalency. You made it, you made right. it absolutely clear. You're either said. on my side or Bull Connor's side. I was gonna say he could. It it <laughs> exactly. You know it, it. He's terrible at this. He's just not good at this. You know the 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 thing is he. And I've been thinking about this for a year about what it is with this guy. He's incapable of like extracting himself from mistakes. And I'm not just talking about saying, "Hey, I made a mistake there. I probably should have shut up." He just can't ever just let anything go and move on, right? I mean, you think about this. He took a question that a normal person would have said, "Hey, yeah, you know, I mean, it, it, it get it, a little it, heated, rhetorical out there, flight right, of fancy, blah blah yeah. blah." You know, you know, I did. I was trying to make a point, advocate. But no, he, he felt a compulsive urge. I'm going to relitigate all this. I don't normally, uh, uh, I don't normally give Scarborough airtime, but I think I'm going to give him some later in the show because I did catch a clip of his that really encapsulates, I think, what's going on here overall. Um, Biden is Biden ran as Biden for the most part, except yeah. he was hiding. Yeah, but. They basically jammed this agenda down his throat that he's not comfortable selling because he's not who it's not who he is. I have no idea. Right. Who he is. I have no idea. Who right. He, is. he probably doesn't either. But my point is, is that that's why there's a because he, he goes out and reads a speech and then like people go after him for it and he's like, oh, I didn't call any of my friends I've been in the Senate with for 40 years. Bull Connor. Right. And then the whole point of this, quote unquote press conference was to turn the page on this year and say, this is what I'm going to do next year. And he still spent the whole press conference in the weeds here in Washington. And then he turned around and said, you know what? I, what I, what I'm going to do is start going out there and selling this stuff to the people. Yeah. That's the problem. So, people aren't hearing enough from me. I have said this and I've said this in numerous columns, monthly notes, et cetera. He can't. He doesn't have the physical capacity to go out and sell things. When you can only do one event, one or two events a week, you just don't have the physical capacity. It's like me waking up and saying, all right, starting today, yeah. cutting down on my portions. I'm, I'm, get, I'm not having my bourbon at night, and I'm going to do all this extra stuff like tomorrow, right? It, yeah, it, it, not, if he's physically incapable of, of yeah, he can't doing the schedule that he, he claims sell. he wants that's to right, do he next can. year. And you know, and that's fine. I don't, you know, great. So we've had we've had physically feeble presidents before, I guess. Um, so, but he's hopeless. Yeah, he literally, just can't extract yeah. himself. Yeah, it, it's yeah. like nothing it, I've ever seen before. I got an idea. Let's have him do the longest press conference ever because, well, you know, we want to show everyone he's got stamina. Well, how'd that go for you? Well, Here's the biggest gaffe of the night, of the afternoon. Not a gaffe. Well, I'm sorry. Here's the biggest. Truth, truth. The most material truth that was told on accident of the of the uh, of the afternoon, the one that could have significant consequences. Uh, here it is. Russia will be held accountable if it invades, and it depends on what it does. It's one thing if it's a minor 
recursion, and then we end up having a fight about what to do and not do, et cetera. But if they actually do what they're capable of doing with the force amassed on the border, it is going to be a disaster for Russia if they further engage you. I wanted to follow up briefly on a question asked by uh, Bloomberg. You said that Russia would be held accountable if it invades, and it depends on what it does. Are you saying that a minor incursion by Russia into Ukrainian territory would not lead to the sanctions that you have threatened, or are you effectively giving Putin permission to make a small incursion into the country? <laughs> Good question. Um, so it did sound like, didn't it? The most important thing to do, big nations can't bluff, number one. Number two, the idea that we would do anything to split NATO, which would be a, have a profound impact on one of, I think, profound impact on one of Putin's objectives to weaken NATO, would be a big mistake. It did sound, it did sound like that, didn't it? So a minor incursion. Reporter. So back to, back to the actual question at hand, a minor incursion would in fact be okay, because that wouldn't split NATO, but a big one would be a problem. Yeah, here comes part two of cleanup on Aosaki. President Biden has been clear with the Russian president. <laughs> president Biden's never been clear in his <laughs> life. If any Russian military tell. forces move across the Ukrainian border, that's a renewed invasion. And it will be met with a swift, severe and united response from the United States and our allies. President Biden also knows from long experience that the Russians have an extensive playbook of aggression, short of military action, including cyber and paramilitary tactics. And he affirmed today that those acts of Russian aggression will be met with a decisive, reciprocal, and united response. Right. So the Americans and the Europeans are going to send strongly worded letters to the Russians in the event yes. of an invasion. So who is so who should we get our news from? The president himself or Jen Psaki? I, you know, uh, which one carries a little bit which more? Do you want to, which do you want? Which story do you want, I suppose? So, right? What's been very clear. He's what been difference very clear. does it make? They're not going to do anything. So, what difference does it make? I, I can't even imagine what our enemies are thinking right now. Our enemies are thinking what we're thinking. We are led by a, by a um, senescent um, man who's seen better days. We got a couple of. Uh, Democrat strategist comments about what's been going on. In all fairness, these guys are actually not bad. Well, one of them's not bad. I, I'm going to play one and the other, and um, I'm going to enjoy chatting about both of them. Did President Biden put more effort into getting infrastructure passed, for example? Well, he, he got infrastructure passed, and that's a good thing because success can, can breed success. He is putting the full force of the presidency behind it. I, I think the problem for the Democrats right now is, is not that they have bad leaders. They're bad followers. <laughs> Paul Begal, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> if he was the, a man, one of the brain trust of the Clintons. If he was a man, I'd probably punch him in the mouth. Say, having said that, he's right. The problem is not with the leadership. The problem is with the followership. I'm not, however, sure it's a good way to start off a campaign season by no, saying. No, no, I think that should be their slogan. <laughs> the in problem is The problem isn't me. It's you. <laughs> <laughs> Biden Harris. <laughs> 2024, the problem is not with us. It's with you. Biden-Harris, 24, in search of better followers. It, <laughs> you know, it's, I'm glad guys like Paul can make money on TV because I think they're probably done. I don't think like, they do. They make money? Jobs. Do they sign deals? I'm sure he's for a these contributor. Guys. Like a contributor. Some kind of, yeah. It's like a small little stipend. Got it. Because who, 
Who would hire a guy like that? Hey, what's your general theory? Well, you know, sometimes you need to get better followers. Okay, and then here's one from my favorite Democrat, uh, strategist type. We're in a country where 28% of Americans feel we're on the right track. And I've said it many times, you cannot jawbone people into feeling better. He says he wants to go out and talk to people and make the case. But really, I think uh, what would have landed better with people is that he wanted to get out and talk to people about what's going on in their lives and respond to them uh, rather than try and make the case about how he's doing. So uh, I didn't think it was a very impressive list, and I'd probably go back to the drawing board. We're mm. in a country. Yeah. So, so that guy is without a doubt. Um, that guy's without a doubt the best Democratic strategist of his generation, right? He's he's just he's not a little bit better than the rest of those guys. He's a lot better. So I I've actually come to conclude that uh, Barack Obama, President Obama, was yes, well served by this guy because yeah, President gonna, Obama's was, instincts are not. Yeah, David I, Axelrod's instincts. I, I was going to say, I'm guessing you, that he took a lot of, of uh-huh. uh, he took a lot of advice from this guy, yeah, because yeah. we know who Barack Obama is, right? Yeah, I, I the more you hear David Axelrod, the more you understand who the brains behind that presidency was, right? He's he's a very impressive guy, and on this, spot on. Just like he was on a lot of things, just spot on on his political advice. Get out there and talk to people about what they care about, not what you care about. Yeah. It's not – I mean it, it, it doesn't – like every good idea, right? Um, it's sort of laying out there just waiting for you to pick it up. It doesn't, it doesn't seem like genius until somebody says it. All right. Should we get into the polling? Should we talk a little bit about the polling? Let me set up the polling real quick with this clip from our favorite senator from Massachusetts. Okay, let me ask you about 2024. Do you believe that President Biden is up for the job? President Biden's running for re-election. I expect to support him. His approval ratings are some of the lowest that they've been for a very long time. I I understand that, but remember, we've just finished the first quarter. We're just starting into the second quarter here. So we've got a lot of time, a lot of work in front of us. Oh, but you only have probably less than a year yes. uh, before you lose both the Senate and the House. Ah, All the polls, uh, the polls are very, very, very time. bad, right? I mean, the, the Gallup had a poll recently that showed a preference nationally for Republicans at a five-point margin over I Democrats. Know. You started the year with the insurrection and a nine-point advantage. No, I know. In the fourth quarter, it was a five-point advantage to the Republicans. So something's not right here. I, I'm sorry, who's that? Lady? This was CVS this morning. This is not like a hard-hitting deal. This is like oh, supposed okay. to be like, yeah, she yeah. probably rolled in there thinking, oh. Who, who's yeah. that? Who was this it? This is Senator Warren. That's what I thought, Senator Warren, yeah. But yeah. How, how like. Yeah, it, I thought it was all perfectly legitimate questions. Like, yeah, all right, you, <laughs> you're, you're in the first quarter. You just finished up the first quarter, and you're down by three touchdowns. What are you going to do for, like, your encore here, right? Kind of like the Patriots last weekend. It, yes, thank you. I knew we were going to get to that. Um you know, the Gallup numbers, interesting, they brought up the Gallup numbers, right? So at the top of last year, the Gallup numbers were 49-40, right? Democrats, Republicans, party identification, right? And then um, last month, and, and Gallup's been tracking this for 65 years probably, right? Since the middle 50s, um, probably before that for all I know. But anyway, um, at the top of this year, they um, the number came in at 45-40 Republicans, right? That, that basically the Democrats had been plus nine and are now minus five. It's conceivable that's right, um, but I would caution everybody to to really 
um, before you get too excited. Want to see three or four months of numbers that look like this, right? See what your trend line looks like. There's a guy in Washington uh, Post who's a friend of mine, Henry Olson. He wrote it. You know, he just this is what I worry about with with people who talk for a living, right? Um, you know, Olson wrote a story right away. This could be the most important thing ever, and if the if it held for the year, it would be the first time the Republicans had an advantage on partisan ID and blah blah blah. And, you know, um, just just calmness is in order here, not 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 overconfidence, right? We, as as Senator Warren would say, we're just finishing up the first quarter. We still got some game left to we, play. We here. are finishing up the first quarter. Um, Everybody, put your chin strap back on, get back out on the field, shut up, and do your job. But again, if if the whole strategy of the Republicans is just sit back and let these guys lose the election. In 2022, what is that? How does that, uh, you we're know? Gonna, we're going to do oversight, Tom. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's another survey we're that gonna, was conducted. We're going to do oversight. January 12th through 15th by the Trafalgar Group. Yeah, man. Which uh, uh, 1,077 respondents, likely general election voters, um, Republican candidate fifty five point six, Democrat candidate forty two point four. Yeah. Okay. So the election that, were held today. Which candidate would you vote for? Well, if the election were held today, everyone would be really, really, really surprised. Um, yeah. Okay. So that 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 you know generic um, generic preference, right? Generic congressional preference. This is a pretty hardy perennial. Um, Thirteen points is a huge and can't be right number. And let me tell you why, because. As you track actual votes in House of Representatives races over the last 50 years, 45 years, whatever it is, I think the biggest the Republicans have ever been is like plus six, like one of the wipeout years, 94, um, 94 or uh, the Obama wipeout year, 2010, right? I think they were plus six in one and plus four in the other. I might give you some sense of like, like how big that is. You know, again, I would like it to be 13. I just don't think that's a right number. It's a pretty big number. It, it would literally be the largest in, since we've been tracking numbers. Um, possible, but... Okay, let's call it 10. I mean... I'd like to see about... Again, right? let's like, see about let's two see more... Let's line. see about two more months a day. Uh, it's, it's all very interesting to me because if, you know, normal... In, in my life, the normally, this would be really good, like a unifying thing for the Republicans, right? Like... Yeah. They would have their act together. They would be sort of, you know, all on the same ship. But you've got this dynamic going on with Mar-a-Lago and and Trump, which is just muddying the whole the whole thing well, for the for the Republicans. Yeah, and I mean, side, and, right? in all, and in all fairness, I mean, I I don't know anybody who's I don't know anybody who's not on the payroll who's all that excited about having Kevin McCarthy as speaker. He's a great fundraiser. Um, but you know, you, you you don't you don't think of him as a leader of a party, and 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 truthfully, keep in mind, Chairman McDaniel is on a two year string, right? So she 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 has to go for reelection in January. Um, you know, it's very real. It's a very real possibility Kevin McCarthy could be the leader of the party here. And uh, I, you know, it's a it's a it's a that is an unmixed that is a that is a mixed um, blessing, right? Okay, I want to read a tweet from somebody um, <laughs> that was 
quick, I don't know why quick, I'm laughing. This quick, is terrible. Quickly withdrawn. This is terrible. It wasn't that quick, man. It, like people managed to retweet. Yeah, oh no, yeah. there's lots of retweets yeah. out there. No, nothing goes away. But it's but it's wor- it is it is worth. Go ahead, do your thing. Robert Reich. Is it Reich or Reich? I have no idea. I bet you it's Reich. It's Reich. But, you know, right. Whatever. Producer. Reich or Reich? Reich. Reich. Okay, Robert Reich. Like Frank Reich from the Bills. Yeah. Yeah. Or the what is he? We're now? gonna weave the bills in at least three, four, three at least more three, times. Four times. This, All right, I'll I'll do my I'll do my bit. All right, thanks. Tonight, Republican senators lined up to shake Kirsten Cinema's hand. Democrat senators should have given her the backs of their hands. Yeah. So one thing, just one thing about that, right? And I know I'm sure Twitter went bananas on it, but um Actually, two things about it. First off, you have a former cabinet official, right? He was the secretary of labor in the Clinton administration and a professor, a law professor, a professor of law, a lawyer um, at at the University of California, Berkeley, um, advocate violence against a sitting United States senator. Should he be in the jail with all those January Sixers? Absolutely. At a bare minimum, he should be disbarred immediately, right? Um, It's a violation of of multiple oaths he's taken, right, as a lawyer and as a a, um, constitutional officer of the United States. The other thing is you have a a, a grown man, supposedly responsible and, and fully socialized, um, advocating violence against. Oh no, no, sir! Advocating you, you just like many other people, you're misinterpreting what he said. I'm not misinterpreting. There's, no no there's no way and to misinterpret. I will, I will share with you a tweet he just sent out one hour ago, and that is said, "quote unquote." Last night, I deleted a tweet because it was wildly misinterpreted and distorted by conservative media. Back of the hand is an idiom for rebuke. No, I wholeheartedly condemn violence against women. Back of the hand is an idiot. Enough for, said. Back of obviously. Not. I have spoken. I'm going to keep talking. Back of the hand is an idiom that means smacking or smacking somebody in the face with the back of your hand, and has been understood as that in the yeah, English speaking world for a thousand years. To me, but I'm a I'm a conservative, so, so maybe add, I was so confused. add the fact that add the fact that Secretary Reich Reich, whatever, is a liar. Um, the, the fact that nobody has said anything about this on the Democratic side is unnerving. I would have, if I was Chuck Schumer, I would get out there right away and say, hey, man, this is way, way out of bounds. The other thing is, Secretary Bob is about four foot 11. I've seen Senator Sinema. She could, she could she beat could the crap out of him. him. She could beat the crap out of him. That is a fight I'd go a long way oh, to see. Absolutely. I mean, it would last about 30 seconds, but oh, I'd, go, I'd, I'd drive to wherever it is. It reminds me of the Will Ferrell's Saturday Night Live skit with Janet Reno and uh, and um, Rudy Giuliani. Yes. <laughs> yes. Remember those? That was great. I, 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 all kidding aside, you can't have that kind of you can't uh, have that go on in the country. It, just it's Twitter. It's Twitter. And it I'm, doesn't matter I mean, where like, it is. You can't have that kind I of thing go it. on. I get it. I mean, I get a lot of this stuff from Twitter, which it, maybe I shouldn't. Maybe I shouldn't play it ball was, with it this was, Twitter. It was. It was being. It it's was not. Being, it's. I'm not saying it's Twitter's fault. I'm saying that for some reason people think that they can say they anything they want on Twitter and it, it have it, no ramifications. It's insane. And you know what? Not once in my life have I ever thought, you know what? Somebody just voted against me. They they should be hitting the head with a shovel, or the back of my hand, or run over with a car, or anything. It's crazy. It's crazy, people. And 
And this guy's a cabinet officer. He's a cabinet officer, for goodness sake. He's in line of succession to the presidency. All, all, right. four, all four foot 11 inches of him. Go ahead. Sorry. This is, the, I want to shift over to a section I, I want to call greedy, immoral, corporate. <laughs> There's no good words for this, man. I can't it's use so, the word. It's so far out of bounds. Greedy, immoral, corporate persons. Persons. Okay. And we're being real generous describing this guy yes. as a person. Because the word we would normally use, we're not gonna we're not gonna say on the podcast. Chamath polyhapatia. No way I could do that again. Chamath polyhapatia. I've been practicing because I want to get his name right because I have respect for people. This guy has his. I guess he has his own podcast. I mean, everyone's doing it these days for some reason. And in it, he um, made a very. Uh, apparently, he's a very forthright speaker. Um, and he he said, I'll just use his own words. Here, let's go. Nobody cares about what's happening to the Uyghurs, okay? You, you bring it up because you really what? care. And I think what it's do you mean nice that you cares? care. The rest of us don't care. I'm just well, telling you a very care? hard... Wait, I'm you're telling saying you personally don't care? I'm telling you a very hard, ugly truth, okay? Of all the things that I care about, yes, it is below my line. Okay? Uh, of all the things that I care about, it is below my line. Disappointing. So, now, it, this isn't the most ridiculous thing because i listen to almost all of the podcast this isn't the most one of the this isn't the most ridiculous thing he said he questioned whether genocide's actually happening he actually said that the cpp isn't a dictatorship he says basically that the u.s is no better than the ccp in terms of human rights and he he launched and then as he starts to backtrack he starts to laundry list things that are injustices in this country that we need to be focusing on instead. Okay. So ironically, this isn't even the most egregious thing he said in the podcast, but this is the thing that, um, this is the thing that caught the attention of the Twitters and, and kind of sparked the whole backlash. So he's, he claimed he was a 10% owner of golden state warriors. Yeah. And golden state warriors came out and said, we don't want any part of uh, this yeah, guy. Yeah, this guy's got like two percent holding. We don't want any we, uh, part of yeah, this. He guy. doesn't speak for us, <laughs> right? And then he he like gave this like um, silly statement on Twitter, which was a non-apology. <clears throat> I re-listen in re-listening to the podcast. I recognize I come across as lacking empathy. That's because you do lack empathy, and I I acknowledge that entirely. As a refugee, yada yada, I fled. A refugee I did from all where? This. From where's he a refugee? Sri Lanka. He's from why Sri didn't Lanka. he go to China if it's the same as America? So. If America's the same as China, why didn't he go there? Go to China, make a bunch of money, talk out against the CP, CCP, and see what uh, they yeah, do to no, your friend. That's not going to happen. Yeah. So, anyhow, I, it's enough to make you rethink your general theory of the case yeah, of immigration. He, he's got it? this huge, um, you know, social fund or whatever. I was going to say he's got big, this huge, but he has given. Hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars to the Democratic Party. Shocker. Including Biden, including the party, including, I think, Hillary also. He's a big, big Dem. And and my comment on all of this is this is who the Democratic Party is beholden to. These are the money people for the Democratic Party now. So set aside him. The Democrats have a huge problem on their hands when yeah. they're cavorting with guys like him. Yeah, it's a, it, it, it's you know it's one of those things. You you, you <laughs> I, 
I'm kind of with him, right? It's he is below my line of concern, but it's 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 um now it's it's going to be very difficult for people to take money from him from now on, right? And because because somebody's going to run against it. That, what know? what is the phrase NSFW? This 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 clip is not safe for work. Yeah. So turn it way down. Turn it down if you're in the car with the kitties. But I want to play this because I want you to get a sense of who this guy of who be. this guy really is. And that's what allows you to make these much longer term commitments to businesses that are going to address health care, education. Well, no, I, that, that's just because I'm rich. But <laughs> no, I mean, this is to be honest, like, I, I don't need anybody else's money. That's like, look, this is not like a popular view. So the first fucking billion dollars was mine. And then I had to prove it. And then other people glom on. But, I mean, many of them started by caring. But I suspect over time, if we end up with 100, 200, 500 billion dollars, how much of that last 50, 60% really care? That's okay. I want the fucking money. I will play the goddamn game and I'll win. Because I want the money. Because I want to extend my influence. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. They want to return. It's fine. Yeah. He wants the money. Because <laughs> I want to win. I, I so deeply want to win. Yeah. You can tell the crowd there was a little bit nervous on the laugh. Like, oh, it's, it goes like, on. And it just it goes on. That's said at Stanford, right? Where they're all, they're yeah. all, they're all plutocrats, but even yeah. those guys are like, uh, that's great, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's bad. You guys make your own judgments, guys. You I mean, know, how much bad. is enough, right? I used to laugh at that line in, in wall street, right? Like how many, ounce how much is Street enough, again? Gordon? How many outs can you watch? Honest to God, on? like these, this guy thinks he's going gecko for so you know. It um, you know it's bad when the NBA, who is a wholly owned subsidiary of the Chinese Communists, has to has oh. to say, "Hey, look for our own for our own they, PR purposes." Yeah, we have they to tossed him under the bus, but it's not like they came out and said anything. No, no, no. Like I said, they're, said they're, they're, I don't know. I, I'm not. Yeah, they're a wholy owned subsidiary. He's not so even really that. He, he's not really that big of an owner. In the, we don't even know this guy. So, but he is. He owns the Democratic Party, him and a lot of his buddies, because that's that's their base. That's their money base right to, there. I'm willing to bet it's not the last time we hear from uh, Mr. Sri Lanka. Okay, uh, one more in this category. Uh, Larry Fink, yeah, CEO of BlackRock, tells fellow business CEOs, this is from the Washington Post, that businesses are not climate police. Investment exec says his firm will not use its shares to press for divestment of oil and gas companies. In, in Larry's annual letter, stakeholder capitalism um, is not woke, Fink wrote in his annual letter to chief executives. It is capitalism. And he, basically, he's on his heels a little bit. Yeah, he's making, he makes an argument that responsiveness to shareholders is all about capitalism. Well, yeah, no. Um, I'll, I'll take it because I realize it's a political walk back. Um, but even then, he, it's, just, he just couldn't quite you know, work his way up to saying, hey, we might not have been right about everything. Reckoning is coming, right? Here's another quote. Divesting from entire sectors is simply passing carbon-intensive assets from public markets to private markets will not get the world to net zero. So that's his little, you know. That's his thing. His little hedge. And BlackRock does not pursue divestment from oil and gas companies as a policy. Brian Deese was his guy over there who's setting up all this stuff. Right, it, it, who's now sitting over in the White House? Yeah, but I mean, all these guys are looking. All these guys are looking at what's happening in Europe. 
and what's happening in the United States. They don't want to be uh, now that right. all of a nobody, sudden there's real consequences. Nobody, they don't want their fingerprints that's on right. it. Nobody wants to be the guy holding the bag when it, when energy prices go up and the voters are like, "Hey, what are we doing again?" I'm, so, I'm, hero of the week is West Virginia Treasurer Riley, Riley Moore. Moore. Riley Moore, ladies and gentlemen, who in a very public way announced that he is not doing business with BlackRock and he's pulling West Virginia's uh, assets out of BlackRock. Yes. Um, he's not going to be the last. No, he's not. And I'll tell you why. Because yesterday in my Western Caucus Forum, Congresswoman Lesko brought up ESG and asked what more she thinks that they should be doing to highlight this. Yeah. And I pointed, I pointed it out what Mr. Moore did. And she said, to paraphrase, that's really, that that is really um, important, and we as as members as politicians need to do more of that. So yeah, well, um, let's put it this way: uh, the, there's folks who are working on state level um, uh, officials, right? Riley's the first guy to raise his hand, but there's probably about twenty others who are going to come on board pretty quick. It's going to be a bit of a contagion, and, and, and uh, I say pile on. Because we, you know, once again, we we're sort of, you know, a little bit ahead of the curve on all this and stuff. Look, Larry, Larry Fink and Ray Dalio, and um, what's that guy's name? Chamath, Sri Lanka. No, Sharma. Chamath, Holly Hapatia. Those guys are all the same, right? Their their Achilles heel is this: they want to make money. It's important to them. It's how they score their lives. So when they start losing money, um, not even you know, having their net worth drop, but when they start losing money that they would otherwise get, that's a big thing to them. It's not like you and me. If we were worth a billion dollars or whatever Fink's worth, right, we'd look at it like, eh, I'm playing with Monopoly money. Larry Fink looks at it like scorecard of his life is not whether he gets into heaven or whether his kids like him or that other stuff. Scorecard of his life is how much cash does he have? Like that, like, um, like uh, what's the guy's name? The, the Sri Lankan dude. Joe Namath. <laughs> Once again. Jamath. <laughs> Polyhapatia. I'm pretty confident. I'm pretty confident okay. that, that he's an, an agent of the devil. So I'm not really going to pay any attention to what his name might be. All right. So, I mean, look, here, here is the bottom line. Uh, this needs to be, uh, this is hopefully going to be the beginning of this, where folks are going to call these folks out. Oh, yeah. In a very, very public way and start shaming them yeah. out of this. Uh, this because now... Like you said, this ESG garbage is having real-world consequences. Somebody wrote a column recently that that um, attacked the ESG thing for being um, indifferent to um, uh, and, in fact, funders of Chinese communism. I'm not sure who did that. Who, pray tell. Whoever it is, they deserve it. It wasn't the guy who wrote the amazing commentary about Chevron deference. Different guy. Yeah, different guy. Different guy. All right, here's a little segment I like to call, That Ended Quickly. This is my block right here in Brooklyn. This is where Shirlane and I raised our family. We love this place. We love our neighbors. And nine years ago, this is where we announced our campaign for mayor of New York City. And we said we were going to take on inequality. Head on. The tale of two cities. Take it on. They say I said it couldn't be done. But we proved together make a big change now i made my fair share of mistakes i was not good with groundhogs at all probably shouldn't have gone to the gym but you know what we changed things in this town 
pre-K for every child, now 3K coming on, hundreds of thousands of affordable apartments. We changed policing to make it fair. We showed you could do big things, Green New Deal, cutting carbon emissions, making the city greener and cleaner for the future. We proved we could do big things. We took on COVID, global pandemic, went from epicenter, the safest place in this country. Most importantly, we proved once and for all, you can fight inequality, you can turn it around. So this is the right place for me to share some news with you. No, I am not going to be running for governor of New York State, but I am going to devote every fiber of my being to fight inequality. <laughs> Thanks, Bill. <laughs> it was like, I, I did the long setup because it's like, it's like Wilhelm. I did all this amazing stuff for New York City. But so this is where I'm announcing that my candidacy for governor is now over. Wilhelm, Wilhelm <laughs> von de Blasio, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, he is so bad that uh, there was some CNN dude uh, on New Year's who, what, what's his name there? Andy something or other who, who hangs out with uh, Anderson at uh, yeah, New Year's. Yeah, he was drunk, about. remember? And he was trashing, trashing de Blasio. So anyway, um, we're going to miss you, Bill. We are. I'm not going to miss him. We're going to miss you, Bill. I'm not going to miss him. Now, I think part of this has to do with the fact that this, and I severely misjudged this, but uh, this is from the New York Times. Real estate donations enable Hochul to amass a campaign fortune. Governor Kathy Hochul's record setting $21.6 million in donations flowed from a who's who of New York's special interest. So she's, I mean, basically she's gone full, full-throated, like beyond crazy Cuomo. Right? Yeah, man. Like she's doing everything she can to shore up the crazies to win the to win the governor's man. She's rooting for the Bills. So just want to point that out to you. Uh what yeah. you think about your life, your life choices. Whatever, man. You actually predicted that they'd win. Yeah. I recall. That was a cold hard prediction. And I'm willing to predict right this second that the Republicans will not win the ballot by 13 points in 2022. Numbers. That's what I do. All right. Well, let's end on a high note. Uh, I caught this um, clip from our new lieutenant governor, Winsome I think, Sears. I think the whole show's been on a high note. Come on, man. Lieutenant governor, Winsome Sears. Yes. Uh, let me play this. But let's talk about what's really happening. Our children are not learning. We don't have time to teach about oppression, uh, what, that, that, that the child is a victim, mm -hmm. that the, the white kids are the oppressors. You know, we don't have time in the school day for that. Let's talk about all of the history. We, we, we know we don't want to repeat history, so let's talk about it. Let's teach it. Nobody is saying not to teach it. Yeah. We need to go forward. We can't always keep looking back. I am proof that we are progressing I am an immigrant, and in the former capital of the Confederacy, I am second in command of the entire Commonwealth of Virginia of 8-point-some million people. When are we going to start saying to ourselves, we can make it, we are making it, let's look at life as being overcomers. This, too, we will overcome. Say that to black and brown children and all other children. Say that to them instead of constantly being divisive. Martin Luther King Jr., that's what he wanted. I want to read something to you very quickly, sure. what he said. Always feel that you have worth and always feel that your life has ultimate significance. Did he talk about the oppressed, the, 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 the oppressors, the victims, all that? No. Light a candle. 
To light a candle is to find the solution, but to curse the darkness is to be a victim. I am not a victim. Our children are not victims. We are going to not just survive. They are going to thrive. Man, these Christians, you can't take them anywhere. I know, you? right? It's terrible. <laughs> she's so terrible. She's not on the. She's not on board, man. I light a candle and curse the darkness. One of my favorite, favorite passages. She's going to be a force to be reckoned with. I have a she, feeling. She, yeah, she, she, she talks, man. She just makes me tired just listening <laughs> to her. I'm like, yeah, whatever you want, just stop talking at me. Okay, well, I'm all out of stuff. Do you have anything else you want to contribute to this wonderful podcast? Yeah. Go Bills. It's prediction time. We're going to have Go to. Go Bills. All right. Beat the Chiefs. Bills and Chiefs. Who wins? Bills. After last week, man, they are on a roll. Wow. Got to go to Kansas Near City. Near perfect victory Got to go to Kansas City. Um, Bengals, Titans. Bengals. We're going yeah, Bengals. Man. Joe Burrow's hard to, hard to root against, hard to uh, pick against, right? He, he's just. He's on, yeah, man. They're that team this year. They me. seem to be 49ers Packers. Uh, I'm going with the I'm going with the Niners. Back in my old days, it's uh, in Green Bay. I know. I'm still going with the. They're Niners. from San Francisco. I'm going with the Niners. It's not cold in San Francisco. I'm going with the Niners. All right, Rams Buccaneers. Oh man, as much as I want the Rams, you got to pick the I'm Rams. The, You've got to pick the Rams. I'm gonna I'm gonna pick the Buccaneers. All right, check back in next week. We'll see what we got. Right. Okay, you you go. Oh me, Bills Chiefs Bills. Cincinnati. The Cincinnati Titans. Titans? Yeah, Cincinnati. All right. Packers, 49ers. Packers. Rams, Buccaneers. I think the Rams are going to win. I think I think Tom Brady's eventually going to run out of magic here. All right. Fair enough. Okay, so. that's a wrap, ladies and gentlemen. Episode number 67 Seven. is in the books. Namaste. Talk to you next week. Hey.